You're listening to 2.23am with Dr. Christine McDougall. Are you ready for a new kind of success and fulfillment? End the silent struggle. Join us as Dr. Christine McDougall speaks to successful, high-achieving men as they share their journey towards a more fulfilling and sustainable life and business and discover the better alternative. It's 2.23am and the life of your future is calling. Peter Thompson is a fifth-generation farmer from central Queensland in Australia. In this episode, you will hear how Peter has developed an advanced form of leadership skill by being a farmer in intimate relationship and communion with the land. If you are a leader in business and you seek to bring to life either a product or service and the team of beautiful humans to support that, then this conversation on the steward leader that Peter is as a farmer is a highly valued one. In Peter's words, I am a farmer who is passionate about agriculture and its valuable contribution to modern society. I believe we must operate as a team in conjunction with our urban counterparts for the long-term financial and environmental sustainability of Australia. I believe by encouraging ways for people to connect to the land, they will be able to keep their lives in a healthy perspective in this fast-paced and rapidly changing world. Peter can be reached at echofarm at bigpond.com. Everything is available in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this exquisite conversation as much as I did. Thank you. Today I'm speaking with Peter Thompson, who is a fifth-generation farmer from the Roma area of Queensland. And I have had the privilege of knowing Peter and Nikki Peter. Peter's wife for a number of years and so through that experience have got to understand the incredibly uh, complex and difficult circumstances that surrounds farming not just in Australia but I think uh, in many parts of the world so I'm really delighted to have you here Peter thanks for joining. Thank you so much Christine I'm really honoured to be um, part of your part of your interviews. (laughs) Lovely. So, you, as as I, we were just chatting prior to this, and and I mentioned you're the the first person that I've interviewed from the farming background, and uh, and and so I do want to spend some time on this podcast, not just discussing the sort of the role of uh, from your point of view, um, men in today's world, but very particularly the the circumstances and the issues that that farming uh, in Australia and, and in other parts of the world face. Yep. Yeah. And, and so uh, let's, let's sort of start there. Let's start with uh, sort of an overview of some of the issues that, that are, are daily concerns and considerations for you. Yeah, sure. It's, it's actually quite fortuitous that um, I've just come out of three and a half days of conference uh, in Sydney around soil security and planetary health and uh, one of the final sessions we had today was um, really delving into the, and this is an, an international conference so we've got people who come from China, France, US, Indonesia, you name it, all yes. over the world and the thing that really struck me and I've certainly observed before is there is very, very similar issues the world over facing uh, facing farming, uh, 
possibly on different scales, but the same sort of issues of a, um, a growing, I'll deem it a growing lack of understanding of what um, farmers do and why they do it to provide the food and fibre that um, goes on to our ever-increasingly urbanised world. So, um, yeah, it's it's just been really good to um, realise that, um, not that I've ever felt that um, yeah, we've been in it on our own, but in a strangely perverse way, it's uh, it's good to know that others are, have got similar issues. And I think without it being a case of negative pulling us together, uh, there's very much a, um, a feeling of right over here issues and whether it's um, financial issues, whether it's climate change issues, whether it's water issues. I mean, the list is endless. Um, the fact that we can come together and share our experiences and first of all, just tell our stories before we, as a typical male thing, I think it's typical male anyways, and I know I do it a lot, is jump in and want to fix it yes. as I'm getting older. Yes. Uh, hopefully wiser, I'm getting better at, um, I, I, I think, you know, being really honest, I still have the initial reaction of wanting to fix it, but I'm managing to sort of rein myself in a bit and say, hang on, let's just pull up and think about this and uh, look it's through. Um, you know, the good fortune I've had of having Nikki to encourage me down that track and yes. and the work you know, that we've done with you also to um, let's just do a bit more active reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so you mentioned a couple of those challenges, uh, financial, climate, water, obviously soil. Uh, and, and so can you just sort of speak into – because you – Farming is is in your DNA essentially uh, uh, way more than it is in mine. I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so what what are the sort of like the big things? Well, let's sort of start at this global perspective. What are the big things that farming uh, is facing? As an so industry. probably number one, that, and I think it was actually articulated really well today, is that um, generally uh, because so much of our population has become removed from farming, yes. uh, it's not you don't have to go back too far, that people had cousins, relatives, parents, friends that were farmers. Um, now they're one or two generations removed from that and particularly in the Western world, but generally the world you know, world over in the, I'll call it the developed world, food is just on the shelf. Um, you flick a switch and the lights come on, water comes out of the tap. Um, so then with the, the rise of um, the easy ability to connect through, be it social media, people will blame social media. I don't, actually don't blame social media for getting the wrong story out because that's nothing to do with social media. It's actually the people who write the stuff uh, that that um, can get what I believe is an incorrect story out. But there's very much a feeling of being... Uh, we had this discussion around the fact that farming has been seen as removed from the environment, whereas I've always believed, always have, always will believe that um, 
we as farmers, whether you're a farmer on an acre in China or you know, 10,000 acres in Australia, we are the front line of stewarding land. Um, you know, in that process, we're also trying to make a living and provide food, fibre for, for people so that it's it's dealing with the misunderstanding of what we do is is a huge challenge. Okay, so so let me let me circle back to that. A misunderstanding of what you do. What do you think people think you do? What's the what's the what in in today's world? Not in um, not, yeah, not in. Look, from, it's I, I don't want to generalise too much here, but there's a range of things. I mean, there's a lot of people uh, think we're out there basically raping and pillaging the the environment. Right. Uh, while they happily have a full belly when they go to bed and you know, the, the food's readily available. So people have distanced themselves and I, from from the, the farming world and I don't expect or what, you know, like I don't claim to understand uh, everything that someone in another job may do. But one of the things I find with farming is, I mean, if we don't eat, we don't survive. So like it or not, every one of us, Farmers included, every one of us are complicit in what we're doing to the planet uh, to provide you know, the lifeblood. Um, yeah. And this is where certainly the financial side of it comes into it, where um, farmers the world, are, world over are being pressured by the current system um, to be, it, it's all about production. Yeah. And we're producing more and more and more for less and less and less. And we've actually got a, a huge oversupply of food in the world. Uh, we keep getting told we've got to be able to support 9 billion. And now the latest favourite figure seems to be 10 billion people. And so, therefore, by whatever year, we've got to you know, massively increase our production. So, on one hand, you know, we're getting those messages. On, on the other hand, we're getting the messages of... You know, turn, turn the clock back and leave the environment like it was um, a thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. we, we've got to find the, the, the happy medium in there. And it, it's a, um, I mean, we're living with it day to day. We're living with natural occurrences of the climate, of the weather, of the seasons, uh, of, of, of the good and the bad of it. And it's just a, a big juggling act. But mm -hmm. at the same time, we have, um, dare I say, the keyboard warriors that come in and uh, often will get the ear of um, our legislators or just the ear of the general public. And we, we, we find that, um, as much as I hate the term being in a battleground, you find that you can be in a in the crossfire yeah. um, whilst you are you're honestly trying to do your very best. Yeah. Right, so it's kind of you're in in between a rock and a hard place in reference to uh, the remit of uh, financial institutions wanting to uh, keep you really on an industrial sort of cycle yeah. Um, yeah. of production, 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 and then the antithesis of that is the care of the land, uh, because like any uh, like any. Anything that requires nutri nutrient rich to create uh, an output 
you can't keep sucking the nutrients out and expecting it to produce the same output. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 it's it's a real case of um, personally, I've always tried to work on optimizing anything that I do, whether it's with myself, with relationship, with land, with farming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about maximizing. So just coming back to the farming side, but. I mean, the big thing is about maximising everything. So, I mean, um, in nature, if we continue to maximise, something will break. Um, whereas, and look, we could maximise whatever it is we're doing for for a month, a year, generation, whatever it might be. But you, know, you can't keep on this ever increasing. Yeah, it's like the ever increasing growth cycle. Whereas, yeah. if you optimise. To my mind, that can go on forever, you yeah. know, literally forever. So, um, you so know, as a as a species, that's that that that's my aim to be right. part of encouraging that, you know, in our in our fellow human beings. So, so uh, you can't optimize every anything uh, to uh, not sorry maximize anything. I, there's there's limits in everything around yeah. that, and uh, and so. But what? So when you say optimize, can you give us a couple of examples of what you might mean by that? Um, so once again, back to the farming analogy, it's it's about understanding the um, listening to and understanding the capability of your land, mm-hmm. and then. Um, either running animals or growing plants or not growing stuff, just whatever you do is listening to what its capabilities are and then hand in hand with its capability. I I always say that if you look after nature, nature will look after you. Um, If you push nature, it'll let you do it for a bit, Uh, might let you do it for quite a while, but at some point in time, given that we're an integral part of nature, yeah, it'll um, tap you on the shoulder or it'll kick you in the proverbial really hard, depending uh, yeah, how, yeah. how hard you've been pushing it. And, yeah. and I, I see the same. It's the same thing with um, dealing with people, um, dealing in relationships. You know, you can push people um, to a certain point and whether it's work colleagues, whether it's family, um, if you if you don't have your listening ears on, and I'm sure we're all guilty of it, I know, yeah. you know there's lots of times my listening ears get blocked um, and you know, sometimes you get rude wake-up calls and t- sometimes you get gentle wake-up calls and it, and it can relate to your own, you know, listening to your own self, your own health. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, we're really good at push, push, push. And then suddenly one day, you know, something, you, know, you wake up unwell or what, whatever might happen. Uh, generally, I believe that can be traced back to an overdoing, a maxing out, a maximising. Yeah. So it sounds to me, just in this little piece, this little discussion here, that what what has, and I use the word industrial, and I'll just talk a little bit about industrial farming in a second, but it sounds like a dynamic system of multiple moving living parts, uh, which is farming, um, is been trying to be squeezed into a model that was designed for machines. 
and I, and I think it's and it's farming's probably just a good analogy of what's happening to a lot of the human race. Yeah. Uh, the same thing is happening, and unless we actually stop and recognise that, um, you know, we end up on this trajectory that sure has a wonderful, great upside, but um, yeah, it, it's a it's a cliff face to fall off. Yeah, on on the other side of it, so uh, yeah, it's about pulling up and actually reflecting on your thoughts, your words, your deeds, your actions, um, and just um, taking into account you know, what impact you know, anything that you may do, um, what impact that may have, positive or negatively, on either those or the environment around you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and so what? What we have tried to do, of course, uh, in as part of the industrial model, is industrialize farming, and and so how? And I know that there are countries uh, like the United States where it's kind of like gobbled up a lot of the farming, and and it's yeah. it's become very industrialized now. Um, how much of that is also in Australia? How much do you see of that really Look, high? There's a, I, I see a lot of it, but I also am heartened to see that there are people fairly quickly waking up to the fact that we just can't keep doing that. There's a um, Look, some days I wake up and think the world is changing uh, mm -hmm. for the better on that whole industrial agriculture side. Yeah. <clears throat> and then... You know, the next day you wake up and think, has anything changed? And I look back to when I was much younger, first into, you know, first, well, I suppose I, I actually started in agriculture from my first memories. I grew yeah. up on the home farm. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't like I suddenly turned 17 or 22 or whatever and I was in agriculture. I was actually immersed in it from... Day one. Right back to, yeah, day one. And that in itself has... Um, there's a whole lot of pros with that, and there's definitely some cons with it. But I think if you can be aware, the pros of it are that you literally, if that's one's bent, which happened to be, you know, I was really fortunate, that was mine. Yeah. Um, so I was actually able to start learning and imbibing and being part of the, the natural system yeah. uh, right from day one. Yeah. Uh, and there's things that, I firmly believe uh, there's some things that just can't be taught. Um, it's not to say that someone couldn't start farming at 17 or 27 or 37 or whatever, but they, you still start at a point of, um, I think you get people say will come in at a, an older educated age and think they can learn it all. And there's stuff that, look, I can't tell you why there's certain things you know, if I I can drive past a paddock or ride a bike across a paddock or walk through it, but you know, even at eighty kilometers an hour, yeah. I, I see stuff in the paddock. Yeah. And I can't tell you how or why it is. It's just been innately yeah. embedded in me. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's a I mean that's a plus of being if starting out young, the downside of it is, of course, is that you can become set in your ways early yeah. in your life. Yeah. So to me, that's a, a part of self-personal development of being able to 
uh, take on uh, education, training, experience that will allow you to question yourself mm-hmm. um, and, and in a honest, but I'll use the terminology, kind manner rather yeah. than in a, uh, you know, how did I ever let myself get to be like X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, those past experiences make you the person you are today, good, bad or otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've certainly got to that um understanding of you know there's things that um if you had your time all over again you'd do differently and then I stop and think no well actually I wouldn't because I wouldn't be who I am today so <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 but, but what, what you're really talking about is that that there is a the way I would describe it is that there is a uh, a 24 7 breathing listening walking experiencing sensing watching growing learning um that you you've had from day one really with i i i'm assuming with some fairly high quality mentorship yeah so i mean i've I've been really fortunate that i mean dad was always one two and and both mum and dad but dad certainly much more uh, hands-on out in the paddock as it were uh, encouraged us to be observed. I've got an older and a younger brother. We're all encouraged to be curious, to be observant. Yeah. And that, even that, will be different in different people. And what yeah. what my eyes, ears, and senses will observe will be totally different to my, uh, say, my two brothers that have had the same. You know, that's that nurture nature stuff. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, it it definitely um, builds up a, uh, or it enables you to really build up a, an inner sense of um, things that are, when I specifically around natural occurrence, things that are good, bad, maybe not right. Um, I, th- I think you can uh, end up with some some better foresight of what will happen say if we keep doing what we're doing to the planet today uh, without being alarmist yeah we just have to change uh, what we're i think i think you're allowed to be alarmist peter i think i think (laughs) I, i think what's happened in recent in the recent even in the last couple of weeks um is people are realizing that it's time for us to be alarmist yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah. look, there's the, the things like um, there's there's few interesting things here. I got a Twitter feed uh, ten days ago. On the same day, um, Sydney was flooding. Yes. Queensland had a big area burning. Yes. And actually, sorry, there's a few days between. Victoria had snowfalls, and we had a massive dust storm going through home. So part of me looks at that and say every one of those is disaster. They're a headliner, whatever. Yeah. But also I step back and see things like the dust storm. Uh, I've seen some information on how, and I'll just use dust storm for an example. Dust storms are critical for nutrition to be dropped in the ocean Mm -hmm. for sea life. Mm -hmm. So it's not all bad, but it's... The severity of, you know, I believe what we're doing, um, and Nikki and I have had this discussion with a number of people, is 
what we've done as a species to Earth is now causing. Um, I, I don't see that we we have totally changed the climate, but what we have done is the changes that we have caused are creating this inc super increased volatility. So yeah, storms are bigger, uh, dry spells are longer, uh, fires. You know, it's you know, I believe that's the the, right. the climate change we've done is the severity rather than just saying we've actually caused the whole thing. Yeah, we've just yeah. caused it to be much more volatile. Yeah. And and it is, the thing for me is it, it's actually, and this is where farming comes into it, that in agriculture, um, we, with regenerative agriculture, which is becoming a bit of a buzzword, which mm -hmm. is what we personally have realised. We, we've never put a name to it, but it's what we realise we're doing um, after talking with a lot of other people that are doing the same thing. I mean, regenerative agriculture has the capability of reversing and, and actually drawing out of the atmosphere mm -hmm. all of the excess CO2 we put up there in, right. in a shorter time frame as four to five years. Right. But to do that, we need to significantly, when I say we, the, the greater we, all of industrial agriculture needs to change its practices dramatically to the types of things we do. So, so for example, on our, our farm, we're, um, yeah, we, we use no nitrogen fertiliser at all. Right. Uh, so we grow crops and grass that to the capability of the land rather than trying to punch out this huge productivity. Yeah. Now, to the finance industry, you know, we're that that's that's not good. You know, we're not on that growth, growth, growth yeah. thing. Uh, but we we have land we we also um, manage our stocking rate in a manner to keep grass cover, which means that we have significantly reduced erosion. And in fact, we've got data that shows that we're um, we're actually increasing soil carbon levels significantly above what the original virgin country was. Mm -hmm. And we're just one little pocket doing that. If everyone did the same thing, it's it's going to reduce cash incomes, um, which most people, are, ourselves included, are really not in a position to do that. But our belief is that we need to do that and be setting an example and showing the way and being a demonstration that that can be done. Uh, but it will mean that all of us, all of humanity is going to have to carry the the cost of doing that mm -hmm. and this is where our whole financial system is just so I'll have to use the words ass up yeah <laughs> it's just I mean we've got this ridiculous situation where uh, we've got literally you can count on one hand say in the US people you know, I think there's three people from memory have the same wealth as 50% of the yeah. whole you know, it's not percentage it's numbers I yeah. mean, that's it, it beggars belief that we've allowed that to happen mm. as a species. But yeah. rather than getting all upset and saying, oh, you know, that's just so bloody terrible and how you know, yeah. we've got to fix it, 
is let's just get on as individuals with a new model and and yeah. and let the system catch up with us rather than us trying to yeah. to um, go and change a, a broken system. Yeah, I, unfortunately, as you know, the problem comes that that. Uh, you're you're still uh, in the in the cog of the current finance system and the current uh, food distribution system and all of that sort of stuff. And so the the archaic uh, systems that are uh, embedded, that, yeah, embedded are, are are party to the very serious difficulty of being able to pull out of this yeah. and so it, what i'm really hearing you say is that that there that it's a it's an ecosystem or whole systems response that's required which is yep. something to do with with a, a community of of uh farm land finance uh and support around that that is it's, unique it, to, unique to unique to that scenario yep yep so we had a discussion today around um, various financiers that are starting to see the light on the value of, of the environment and yeah. talking about natural capital valuation of property, um, payments for ecological services to farmers, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, one of the questions was, how do we get them to change, you know, get the system? Well, the mm -hmm. question was, how do we get the banks to change? And the comment was made that, you know, so let's utilise, be they banks, financiers or whoever, the ones that are doing it, uh, you know, or at least starting to get it, rather than trying to change the others, the one you're with, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. go to someone that has changed or is seeing the light yes. and um, let them, let the ones that aren't work out for themselves that, all of a sudden, oh, we have no clients, we have no market. You know, maybe we, yeah. It's um, you know, it's moving away from that uh, trying to to fix them model and yeah. saying, right, here's here's our model. and 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 the difficulty for us as farmers is yeah, we do have to you know we've got the bills to pay at the end of the month and the interest bills to pay at the end of every six months and you know the debts that you carry in cash whatever yeah. and I. And I Look, in our situation, I mean, we have you know, a huge debt, but we have really good equity mm -hmm. just on a, the old traditional yeah. uh, numbers. But even with all of that, you know, some financiers look at it and you know, make noises about you not being viable, yeah. and yet they'll go and loan yeah. you know, <laughs> on the opposite ratio some to someone to buy a house in the, you know, here I'm in Sydney at the moment, in the middle of Sydney, yeah. Uh, that's effectively, yeah, dare I say, just a roof over someone's head. It's not a... Proge um, it's not producing anything. It's not a... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. it's a home and all the rest of it, but yeah, you could you could have the same thing for a fraction of the price in a regional town, yeah. for, for instance. Yeah. Um, so, you know, our whole valuing, uh, you know, this, and this is where it's not just the banks and financiers fault it, it's you know we've got people uh you know human beings are valuing also you know it, it's it, it's going to take a whole whole of um humanity thing to stop and look at right what do we really value it's not about saying you know, let's go and live in the cave and 
yeah. and no longer have running water and electricity, but let's just have a look at how we are, you know, what we've got, what we're utilising and why we're, you know, why we do what we do. So it's it's that reflection thing again. Yeah. That, um, if, if, if I'm allowed to give any word of advice, <laughs> there's one uh, thing that I, I think I've really, you know, has really sunk into me that um, that huge um, value in in reflection and true reflection, just stopping and having a really good ponder on, um, you know, you could say it's, you know, your own individual meaning of life. It doesn't mean you need to go and sit in a mountain in um, Tibet to do it. Yeah. You, know, you could be sitting on the <laughs> on the Buster Bondi. So. Yeah. <laughs> it must be it must be in the water today because I wrote a blog about that this morning. Right. Absolutely. So. So can, can we talk a little bit about, hey, since your time on the land, uh, and uh, let's use the word uh, climate change or whatever, um, yeah. uh, how, how have you, because you kind of touched on this before with with the everything sort of being amplified, how, yep. how have you noticed uh, over, over the last 20 or 30 years as somebody who's been in your current location for a long time? What, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's the best way to put it is is the extremes. I mean, we've always had heat waves. You know, we we get over forty degrees in summertime and we get below zero in wintertime. So that's not new, but it's the you know it's the heat wave in summertime that's ten days over forty four with the minimums yeah. thirty degrees at night compared to the maybe three lots of two days yeah. doing that. You know, it, it's that type of thing, or the rainfall, um, where we see that um, we can go months without rain, and then you'll get 150 mil in a day. Yeah. Um, it, it's that. It's just the the amplification of um, of the. It's the severity of what happens. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. And, and like we've always. I mean, one thing about farming in Australia is Australia's climate, as a generalisation, is renowned to be the most variable in the world. And northern Australian climate, um, Queensland in particular, uh, is known to be the most variable in Australia. And we're sort of in the middle of southern central Queensland, so we're smack in the middle of this high variability. Now, that's... I've only ever known variability, and and one thing for us to stop and look at is say, right, so if the world, if the climate around the world is going to become a whole lot more variable, you know, I've spent a lifetime living with that. Mm-hmm. So there is a skill and a wisdom that I can share with others who've actually potentially had a lifetime of reliability. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, we've actually got something of value yeah. to share with the rest of the world, which is going to help in the immediate, yeah. you know, just dealing with what we now have. Um, but you know, I see there's two things. Yeah, you know, sort of feel as as a farmer, there's a level of responsibility. Dare I say, of right, that's we can help with the, the here and now, but we also have the ability 
yeah, we still we haven't run out of time, but it's getting close to midnight. Uh, yeah. We haven't run out of time to drive significant change in practice. Now, part of it, you can say, right, oh, we in agriculture could go and do all these things that will, um, let's say, fix the climate and everyone continues to pollute. Yeah. To me, that's not the. You know, we all have to take responsibility and say, yeah. right, oh, you know, let's look at energy efficient, um, you know, be they vehicles or transit or, you know, and particularly as we, I have the good fortune of living in the bush and visiting the city regularly, and we've, you know, I've travelled around the world and gone from, you know, New York to the back blocks of Kenya. So, yeah. We've, yeah We've been fortunate to get a really wide take on things, and and that's still only a snapshot of the whole world. Um, but if we can really stop and think about, as each individual um, think about what we do, you know, do we use a takeaway coffee cup or do we use a glass one? Do we use a, a um, yeah? Do we catch a train or do we catch a taxi cab? Yeah, it's all those. If if everyone does their little bit yeah. uh, in the urbanised areas, that's going to have a uh, like like we're I'll pull this back to the farm. I'm probably jumping all over the place no, here, no, that's but fine. on 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 farm. So so we've got um, much bigger tractors than we had when, and, and I love machinery, so love <laughs> love big toys. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but the efficiencies. The fuel efficiencies that we are you know, getting out of using the modern technology, I mean, we're, you know, I said we're right on the forefront of doing everything as efficiently as we can. Yeah. And then I come down, you know, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, wouldn't matter where it is. I was walking along Parramatta Road yesterday and I would hazard a guess there's close to 90% of vehicles had one person in it. Yeah. Now, where we live, we're 80 kilometres from the closest town and often we will end up driving to town with one or the two of us in the one vehicle, but sometimes, for whatever reason, you'll be one person in one vehicle. Yeah. But we don't have a train or a you know, public transport or whatever, and I sort of look at look at our urbanised areas and think we just still haven't got it. But, you know, the, the lights that are on, the vehicles, yeah, yeah all, all that side of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, it, there, there has been a, a, an excess, uh, as if, as if the Mother Earth was an endless producer and that there was no end point, uh, in in the design of everything, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I think that has come about from this whole removal from yeah. source. Remo- yeah. You know, when when people, there's sure there are a lot of people wanting to reconnect back to land back to our thinking is certainly around connecting to self and um, and through connecting to self connecting back to land uh, and and be that your own garden or but yeah I, I like the fact that you know at home I can walk around barefoot and I'm actually walking on dirt you know yeah. I'm not walking on bitumen or concrete or whatever um, but yeah, we because we've become so remote, and and people in the urbanised areas, they they've got all their major issues and day to day issues to deal with, and it, 
I totally understand that it just you know, the easiest thing to do is jump in the car and go and do whatever. But I, I believe we've run out of the yeah, we're rapidly running out of time of having that luxury of not doing anything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, yeah, I I I totally agree. I, and so just because there is at the moment with. Uh, food innovation and food tech i don't know what you call it but the artificial the creation of artificial food and so on so what are your thoughts about that whether it's meat or whatever it is you know whatever it is i'm I'm, i i I honestly can't give a solid answer on that part of it i look at it and think yeah the technology is amazing to think that you know we could create edible meat out of a test tube yeah and i think that unfortunately the thinking is that it's it's a bit like milk comes from the shelf at woolies right yeah that (laughs) we still have to put things in that test tube and i'm not sure where those things are coming are going to come to and then i also look at um things like uh how yeah it's it's questions it's not not for or against but yeah how will our human body yeah. uh, react long term to eating food that hasn't actually been grown yeah. naturally? Yeah. When we currently have a lot of people complaining that the food, industrial farm food, is not natural. Well, it's it's actually a bloody sight more natural than something <laughs> cooked up in a test tube. So, um, but but I'm also mindful of the fact that i mean as humans we are amazing innovators and yeah maybe we've maybe we won't need farmers in the future to grow food but i do believe we will always need and i'll say farmers but farmers to steward the land like the next generation they they may not grow a single grain or, or two generations time they may not grow a single grain or piece of meat or whatever but they they will be there will be a need for them to manage the landscape <clears throat> so it can you know, nurture us right so it's it this is the way i think about it uh and and um well, several parts of this part number one is as you mentioned earlier that there isn't actually food scarcity. There's there's uh, a, a, a major and a major a major systems breakdown, yeah. uh, a major level of greed, and a major yeah. issue with distribution. Yeah. So half the world's starving, half the world's obese, and there's a handful in the middle are okay. Yeah, and and so that is just a failure of uh human imagination there's no other way to put put that it's just a it's just an outright failure of collective human will uh but so it so we don't need to manufacture food to feed people um there can be a part of that that uh has to do that but you've already addressed that anyway with if you're if you're really uh stewards of the land and really care for the land and and so on then the issue of of animals and carbon and that argument is is kind of quashed anyway. But I yep. think, and I'm not anti having, I don't eat meat anyway, so whether it's 
built in a test tube or it's yeah, yeah. four-legged grazing on a pasture. <laughs> it's just Might fine. be broccoli grown in the test tube. <laughs> Correct, yeah. But, but for me, the thing, the, the biggest issue with that is that, and you mentioned this a couple of times, the, how far we are removed from, from the land, from, from where life force energy, so the photosynthesis, the photosynthesis yeah. of the sun onto the plants and the ear and ear and the nutrient yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. And, uh, and the further removed we are from that, there is a, it, it is almost that, <laughs> I'm, I'm, the vision I have is we don't need robots, we'll become robots because we're so far yeah. removed from anything that is animated with life. I think the thing you touched on with life force energy yeah. is something that it's really resonates with me around. Uh, there is, un, to me, unknown, indescribable energies that is part of mm. our natural system. And if we break that connection, yeah, we, we may as well be robots. Yeah. Um, and it's... Uh, one of the, oh, I mean, I went away to boarding school, went to a, you know, a church school, boarding school, and whatever. But I don't actually see myself as being particularly religious, but I certainly see myself as being significantly spiritual. And the older I get, the more, yeah, the more spiritual I think I've become, in or or I'd become aware of that spirituality. And to me, the spirituality is that connection to place, you know, to earth, yeah. to people, to community. Um, they're all um, really important intrinsic parts of of a healthy life. And yeah. I think if we try to um, manufacture any part of that, probably not a lot of point for any of us. Yeah, we might as well, as humanity, might as well all leave the earth and leave it up to everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have that sort of similar experience because uh, the it, it, it is, it, and it's something that people would have a hard time arguing, leaving the, the urbanisation and going to a, whether it's a, a clean beach or a walk in a forest or a, something where there's a connection with nature mm. it would be hard pressed to say that it doesn't change you in some way yeah. it doesn't and, and, sort of like calm the nervous system and yeah because yeah. Yeah. i and, and you know i just think about those two activities say in advent of technology and virtual reality augmented reality and all the rest of it and i you know, as you well know I, I love technology love machinery love technology but there's some things that um, yeah, I'm sure we're going to be able to create these amazing, well, they've already been created, these amazing virtual reality experiences. But you can't, be, we, we had um, one of our grandsons staying out with us a couple of weeks ago and uh, we had some rain and you know, he's nearly four, jumped in the four-wheeler buggy with me and we went for a drive and there was mud flying and, yeah, he was just the the joy on his face and the joy on mine being able to race around in circles <laughs> in the mud. But I mean, you're actually uh, you're in, you know, you're actually immersed in it. And I mean, that'll be an experience that uh, he will 
yeah, even at that age, I'm sure he'll remember yeah. you know, spending an afternoon racing around in the mud out in the middle of nowhere with his grandfather. Yeah. Uh, I, I really don't think any virtual reality we'll game be, machine we'll, thing we'll, will ever be able to, maybe I'm too old-fashioned, but <laughs> we'll, <laughs> be, we'll ever be we'll, able to capture it. We'll be up to scratch to that, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. I I tend to agree with you, and uh, and and the reality is that there's again coming back to that there isn't a scarcity of food and so on. I do. There is clearly a limit to the amount of things that Mother Earth can produce and cope with and be poisoned by and yep. support and sustain. So. Uh, but we are now shifting to a place where we have to start thinking that it is one planet. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and it's about that, that I, I use the term fair sharing of, yeah. uh, of, of our resource and, and also using a very agricultural analogy. Um, you, know, you look at a paddock that you're stocking with, live, you know, with livestock, you have a look at its carrying capacity and you stock it yeah. you know, within its carrying capacity. Yeah. And uh, you, you raise, so with humans, we're talking about looking at you know, the, the carrying capacity of humans. And even the last few days I've had, you know, it was sort of thrown up, oh, well, we can't sort of step into that area of, um, you know, it, it's too difficult around the um, uh, holding population growth. And to me, I th- yeah, so we fall into this right we're going to just keep having this massive population growth and we'll use technology or genetics or, or right. magic or something will fall out of the future to fix it all. Um, you know, I, I see a serious need for us to, you know, it, it's about limiting population growth. And, and, and we're seeing, start, you know, seeing very limited, but some people starting to seriously think about how many kids or if any, it's actually it's have. actually happening. But there is a very strong correlation to this. Um, Bucky Fuller, who, as you know, has been a major yeah. influence in my life, did all of these studies 30, 40, 50 years yeah. ago. There's yeah. a very strong correlation to um, birth and poverty. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and, and and so if we can, yeah, those of us who are fortunate enough not to be in poverty can assist those who are in poverty. Half the problems. Yeah. yeah this will be really simplistic, but it could be solved overnight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or pe- solved very quickly. Yeah. Pe- um, people will stop needing more children when they are no longer needing to have children be part of the to family survive. to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and it's really that simple. Uh, and so you know that. And again, <laughs> there's no shortage of money on the planet. So there's no yeah. shortage of yeah. money. There's no shortage of food. There's yeah. definitely yeah. no shortage of energy. From sustainable resources, yeah, you would yeah. think, wouldn't you? You would think that because we have an abundance of food, energy, and money, that we might actually be able to do a better job. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I take some heart in um, years ago. I read Malcolm Gladwell's book about tipping point, and from memory, there was uh, the figure was about fifteen percent. Yeah. Don't quote me exactly on this, but I think we're somewhere around that. Um, there's recent research that came out earlier this year that 
is showing that it's only a little over 10 percent yeah. of people need yeah. to be influenced and changed to create a tipping point and yeah. and you sort of think well that's not much difference but 10 is two-thirds of 15 you know, yeah. if you look at it that way yeah. um so the, uh, yeah i i do have a, a deep down belief that humanity will wake up in time mm. but it will need people to you know, ring alarm bells and try and or to even get the, the donger on a bell off to one side so it can swing. Or kids uh, to leave school and go and protest. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. be completely ignored by our Prime Minister. Um, <laughs> but that's all right. Everybody else is seeing it. Yeah, yeah. And and I think we need to have faith in the fact that, that yeah, it's, it is happening. Yeah. Uh, I've... I've I used to always say when I was younger that you know, I had all this drive, wanted to change the world overnight. And the older I've got, the the more I realised that you know it's a bloody long night. <laughs> but but we need to um, you know with beliefs, you know whatever your beliefs are in things of you know it's that persistence and just keeping persistence and patience. Yeah. Um, so it's not about just being patient and sitting back and doing nothing, and it's also not about just being persistent and do do doing and getting yeah. frustrated because. But having a mixture of persistence and patience, um, and trust, I think at the end of the day, underneath you know a really underlying thing for me is that you know if you've got a trust that um, people, things, events, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's it's a trust in in a higher something. Uh, yeah. yeah, that that we will get there. But it's not about just sticking your head in the sand and hoping it'll all go away. It sounds like the formula for a master farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Never stopped and thought about that. I'll have to reflect on that. <laughs> well, it sounds like you know because there's there's and this is sort of circles back to. Uh, in my other interviews that I'm doing about what it means to be a man in today's world. And I kind of had a feeling that, that we would and use the farming as a, it, it would, we would arrive there anyway simply because of the metaphor is so powerful, which is that there is this deep, uh, steeped listening that comes from uh, the real willingness to partner with the land. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and to be and so not only partner but also be a student of a a constant student of the land. <laughs> and I and I think that's a really really critical thing is that you know, you'll you'll be teacher student and something in between yeah. all the time every day. You know, there's you know, um, yeah, it, it's just. And, and because it's nature and nature is evolving, what is happening today or this afternoon or yeah. you know, tonight is going to be different to the same time tomorrow. And, and being able to to ride with that change and ride with that uncertainty. Um, yeah. And that, you know, I find that um, can be like part of me, I've... I relish freedom, but there's also at the same time there's part of me would like some certainty. Yes. <laughs> so it's a, 
and and uh, uh, you know, I don't know whether you start then cherry picking on. <laughs> let's have some certainly around the good bits and some freedom <laughs> around the bad bits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and it's a bit hard as a farmer to get certainty around whether it will rain or yeah. it what and all of that sort of stuff. And and uh, you'll have a good season this. You'll plant, you'll plant, and there'll be yeah. a. You'll just hope that that the 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 larger scales of earth, wind, wind and rain will do your crop justice. <laughs> and, and it becomes a. I mean, it, it does become a a tri, I mean, every time you know we plant a crop. You know, say using crops for analogy, there is a trust that trust that you've done all that you can. Yeah. And then you entrust your efforts as part of nature rather than entrusting your nef- efforts to nature yeah uh, that you you've played your part and then um, you know, nature will continue to do whatever it was going to do yeah um, but yeah if if you've been and this is what i find it's probably what you do all the time, and yet it's one of the most difficult things, is to be able to really let yourself go into that trust. And yeah. and it's and I find it's also a really good teacher and lessons to be learned you know, in the paddock for dealing in relationship, you know, be it with Nikki, be it with the family, be it with you, be it with yeah. you know, the people who I work with. Yeah. Um, yeah, being able to let go into trust, and it's very easy to say, yeah. um, but it can be a whole lot harder um, yeah. at times to actually allow that that practice. But I but I think if you have that as an underlying ideal, yeah. uh, for want of a better word, uh, there's a chance that it'll work. If you if you don't have trust, uh, if you don't have the trust there. What chances it got of even starting? Yeah, yeah, but, but it, you're really talking about a, an intimacy with uh, the land, and the, because it's it's a, it's a communion, a, a deep communion, yeah, yeah. and so so your your choice of planting and and so on and and how and which paddock and the da, 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 you know there's the communion as well so that's you doing the pre-work to yeah. and then once you've done the pre-work which comes from this deep communion with the land then it's 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 not handing it over to nature per se but it's I, this is this is I've done my bit and I've done my yeah. bit with an yeah. enormous amount of consciousness and care and attentiveness and respect and experience and that's my bit. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and with that, it's being prepared to learn a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> <in the> track. <laughs> Who knows what that lesson will be, but every, you know, every, every yeah. season, every crop, every yeah. interaction, there will be yeah. big lessons and little lessons will come from that. And, and, and that, that can be both terrifying and exciting and yeah. Yeah, at, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it actually occurs to me in this conversation, uh, which we'll wrap up now. But in this conversation, that you're you're speaking about a a level of, um, in actual fact, it's leadership. And you may not have correlated this with, uh, in my work, working with a lot of people in 
business and executive and entrepreneurial type of roles. But you're actually speaking about a level of com competence as a leader, as steward. Yep, yep. And yeah, I'm just I'm reflecting on you know, as you're saying that, and I, I think for me you know, that that leadership is certainly about uh, the biggest thing for me about leadership is being able to let go. Right. And I know I do that much better in some aspects of my life than others. Yeah. But um, you know, a, a really good leader. Uh, when I look at the things that I believe I've been successful at, when I really stop and think about it, is where there's been a significant letting go. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's you know, this this conversation's really good for me to be able to um, go away and di digest my own words. I reckon. Okay. Well, well, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> So is there, on that note, um, just before we sign off, um, is there anything that you would like to add to this before, you know, in sort of closing? And, and just no. so that you know what I'll, I'll do, of course, I'll have anything about you, your bio and, and uh, how people might be able to reach you. I'll have all of that in the show notes. Yep, yep. Mm. No, look, I, I, I think um, what I would like to say is that I've listened to a number of your interviews and, and it's just been so wonderful to be able to hear all the different aspects of um, success, leadership, uh, humility, uh, all of those things which to me, are, um, yeah, when we come back to you know, what does it mean to be a man in the modern age or masculinity in the modern age and from I find really hard to sum that up in a couple of words but it's it's about listening and and that listening to yourself because if you can't listen to yourself you're never going to be able to listen to anyone else mm. that's very wise <laughs> <laughs> yeah and 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 you but you also you have this master skill of listening to land and I think I've been really fortunate to have that that trainer yeah uh, in in the natural sense and also in the human sense I've been also super fortunate to have Nikki to enhance that yeah that um, that training yeah. in me so yeah yeah. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. Uh, lovely. Well, thank you so much, Peter. Uh, if you just want to stay on the line and um, we'll have a quick chat afterwards. But thank you yep. so much. Um, it's been really lovely to uh, have this conversation. And I'm so, I'm so excited that people will be able to have a little bit of an, a greater appreciation through this conversation of, of the realities of being a food producer, farming person in the world. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so very much for having me on. It's great. Okay, bye. To listen to more of these conversations and access the show notes, visit 223am.com. That's the number two, the number two, the number three am.com and experience a whole new kind of success and fulfilment. If you've got what it takes, experience a session directly with Dr. Christine McDougall. Visit 223am.com and apply now. Thanks for listening.